moments, let's start listening to Joshua. So far, we looked at an overview of the book, we've looked at some of the big themes, we've spent several weeks looking at Joshua the man. We've seen Joshua prepared for leadership, we've seen Joshua inaugurated into leadership. But in all that time, we've not actually spent, spent a long period reviewing the text of the book of Joshua. And tonight, this is where it changes. We're actually going to start chapter one. We're going to dive into the text and we're going to see what it says. But, not even now, we're not going to start straight away. We're going to start with a reading in the Psalms. I want to start by reading the first six verses of Psalm 37. So Psalm 37, <coughs> verses 1 to 6. Do not fret because of evildoers, do not, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass, and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourselves also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light, and your justice as the noonday. Now, hopefully the relevance of that, that passage will become apparent later on. But let's just pause and pray before we dive into Joshua. So, Father, we thank you for this time together, and we thank you for this opportunity, opportunity to look at your word. And we ask you bless this time to us, and that we may learn, and we, we may learn more about you, and that we may draw closer to you as a result of this study. Amen. Amen. <coughs> so, let's move over now and read Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses', Moses assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you. As I said to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea towards the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For well, then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the camp and command the people, saying, 
Prepare provisions for yourselves, for within three days you will cross over this Jordan, to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess. And to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and half the tribe of Manasseh, Joshua spoke, saying, Remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God is giving you rest, and is giving you this land. Your wives, your little ones, and your livestock shall remain in the land which Moses gave you on this side of the Jordan. But you shall pass before your brethren armed, all your mighty men of valour, and help them, until the Lord has given your brethren rest, as he gave you. And they also have taken possession of the land which the Lord your God is giving them. Then you shall return to the land of your possession and enjoy it, which Moses the Lord's servant gave you on this side of the Jordan towards the sunrise. So they answered Joshua, saying, All that you command us we will do, and wherever you send us we will go. Just as we heeded Moses in all things, so we will heed you. Only the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your command and does not heed your words in all that you command him shall be put to death. Only be strong and of a good courage. <coughs> so what do we make of this then? As, as the book of Joshua opens, Moses has died. Moses led the people through the wilderness 40 years but he didn't actually take them into the promised land. The Israelites are left on the other side of the Jordan, waiting to enter the land. But now they they have a new leader. They have Joshua. <coughs> and Joshua has been left with an important job to be done. And this chapter is where we see Joshua being given his orders. Joshua is ordered to take the people across the Jordan and to possess the land. Now how is Joshua feeling at this point? I mean, it's understandable if he's a little bit apprehensive, isn't it? <coughs> and maybe that's why the Lord speaks graciously to him as he, t- as he does. I mean, Joshua has been Moses' assistant for an extended period of time. He knew the people well, and that's not necessarily a good thing. He knew what they were like for 40 years in the wilderness. And he knew what would be required of him as a leader. However... Observing Moses in a position of leadership and being asked to, do, to be that new leader are very different things. Joshua is assuming a role that will require him to make life and death decisions that will affect thousands of people. He then has to deal with complaints and daily struggles of the people. And he has to do it every day consistently with no one else to act as the final authority. And it is at this point that the Lord has come to Joshua and offering him this much-needed reassurance. And what does the Lord say to him? Well, he does say, Arise and go over this Jordan. But he also says, No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, and critically, As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you, nor forsake you. So Joshua is going to be leading the people, but he isn't going to be doing it in his own strength. His daily struggles with the people and indeed the military campaigns he's going to have to fight are not going to depend on his own strength. It's not his own military prowess that's at stake here. When God speaks to Joshua, 
He calls him to trust him and to believe what he says to him. Now there are two specific things that Joshua is called to believe about the forthcoming military campaign. And we can find those set out for us in the first five verses. First of all, Joshua was reminded that the land of Canaan was God's gracious gift to Israel. And they're told they're going to possess everywhere that they could walk. Wherever the sole of their foot treads, that, that land belongs to them. And we find the boundaries of the land carefully set out, don't we? From the wilderness to Euphrates to the Mediterranean. So the land itself is, is, is explained. And Joshua can be confident he's going to be able to take all of this land. But God did much more than set out the boundaries of Israel. God tells Joshua three times in this chapter they will possess the land. But he also tells Joshua that those who oppose Israel would prove to be ineffective. That no one would be able to stand against Joshua throughout his life. In other words, Joshua is going to win the battle. And he's going to win every battle. Not one foe will be able to stand against him. And how is this done? As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. And that's a statement that's going to mean the most to Joshua. He has seen God dealing with Moses face to face. He's seen how Moses engaged with God throughout 40 years in the wilderness. He's seen Moses plead with God and God answer time after time. I mean, maybe Joshua wasn't expecting to have such a deep personal relationship with God. He wasn't expecting God to be so involved now that time. Moses was gone. But here is the reassurance that he needed. Is it any wonder that the knowledge of the Lord's ongoing presence should be helping be strong and courageous? Indeed, the promise of the Lord's presence is again coupled with the be strong and courageous command in verse 9, because one leads to the other. Joshua can afford to be strong and courageous simply because he knows that God is with him. But now, that's the promises God made to Joshua. But that's only half the story, isn't it? God promised many things to Joshua. But how will Joshua respond to those promises? And indeed, this is where it gets practical for us, doesn't it? Because Joshua isn't the only one who have received great promises from God. Indeed, as we're reminded in Second Peter, we've received exceedingly great and precious promises too. So how do we respond? Well... As a church, we hold to the 1689 Confession of Faith. What does chapter 3, paragraph 1 say? It says, From all eternity God decreed everything that occurs, without reference to anything outside himself. He did this by the perfectly wise and holy counsel of his own will, freely and unchangeably. Now, if you read that, you might think, if God's already decreed it, then we don't need to make a response, do we? <coughs> if God is controlling absolutely everything... Why can't the Israelites simply walk into the land? God's promised them the land. Why can't they just walk in and take it? Well, the same paragraph in the Confession answers the question. And it saves me having to explain it. So, <laughs> you see, This decree does not violate the will of the creature nor take away free working or contingency of second causes. On the contrary, these are established by God's decree. In this, in this decree, God's wisdom is displayed in directing all things, and his power and faithfulness are demonstrated in accomplishing his decree. 
So the decrees of God do not violate our free will, nor do they avoid the use of secondary causes to accomplish the purposes of God. God doesn't just decree something is going to happen. He decrees how it's going to happen, and he uses what he wants to use to, to achieve that. So he uses us to achieve his purposes, and how we respond to God's purposes, to God's decree, affects what happens. And God knows how we respond, but he doesn't um, stop us from acting in that way. We are called to respond. So let's see how God dealt with Joshua, and what response Joshua made to what was revealed to him. So firstly, what did God tell Joshua, and through him the people, to do? Well, if we look at verse 7, we can find out. Only be strong and courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. So Joshua was to do, to observe all the law that Moses had commanded. He wasn't to deviate from what God had revealed. He wasn't to try and assert his authority by introducing something new. Nor was he to try and relax any of the commandments of God to make life easier. Instead, what we find here is the success of the conquest of Israel, of the land, was to be tied directly to the obedience of the people. God had promised the people the land, but they would only succeed to the extent that they were obedient. Indeed, they should, as verse 8 makes plain, have the law constantly before them, and at the forefront of their minds. It's not a vague thing that they, they read occasionally. It, it's, it should be impacting every one of their thoughts and their actions. They, their lives need to be governed by what God had said. So, having received this news, what did Joshua do? <clears throat> well, Joshua did more than just think about it. Joshua immediately acted. We find that he speaks to the officers of the people, verse 10. Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the camp and command the people. Prepare provisions for yourself, for within three days you will cross over this Jordan to possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you. So Joshua is not nervous about this. He's not taking time to think about this again. He's been told to, to pass over the Jordan, so he makes immediate preparation to do so. And then, what does he do after that? Verse 12 to 15, he speaks to the Reubenites of the Gadites, the half-tribe of Manasseh. Now he reminds them about the arrangement that um, Moses had made with them. When you remember, Moses granted the, the um, inheritance of those tribes on the other side of the Jordan. But there was a condition attached, wasn't there? The warriors from those tribes had to pass over and fight alongside their brothers in the conquest. Now Joshua doesn't want them trying to back out the deal now Moses is dead. And he doesn't want to lose part of his army. So he speaks to them and he makes sure they're still committed to what was agreed. And to his great encouragement he finds that they are more than willing to follow him. Indeed in verse 18 they echo the words that God had already said to Joshua. That's going to be a great reassurance. You can see God working immediately, can't he? 
Be strong and have a good courage. And they promised their unwavering obedience throughout the campaign. And they unite with him in obedience to what God has said. And that's pretty much chapter one. But what can we learn from this? Do we see this as an interesting historical narrative or do we look for practical instruction here? Well, like all the scripture, of course, there is something practical to learn. Because we have the same gracious, <coughs> merciful God that Joshua had. And like Joshua, we have received precious promises as well. And just like Joshua, the, what, the promise fulfilment of those promises can seem very distant. I mean, Joshua had to go in, and he must have thought it would take a long time to conquer the entire land. And indeed it did. But he knew from the start he was going to succeed. He knew what the result would be, so he, he pressed towards that goal. And from our limited perspective, things that God has promised us can seem awfully distant, can't they? But we, we really can trust God to do as he had promised. But we may say we believe that, but do our actions really demonstrate that we believe? I mean, James 2, faith without works is dead. It's only when we act on what we claim to believe that we demonstrate the genuineness of our faith. Joshua believed what God had said and he prepared to cross the Jordan and engage the enemy. He trusted God to keep his word. And do we trust God in the same way? Do we trust him to sustain the work to which he's called us? Do we believe God when he says he's reigning now and calling his people to himself, building his church across the globe and drawing people in from every nation? Do we believe other things God has said, like he will come again and ultimately every knee is going to bow before him? How do we demonstrate that we actually believe these things? Well, we demonstrate it by working towards fulfilling the purposes of God in our lives. We look at what God has asked us to do and we go ahead and do it. Are we working for the ascension of Christ's kingdom in this here and now where we live? Do we, like Joshua, have a faith that acts? But how did Joshua get this faith? How is he to maintain his faith? Well, verse 8 again. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. It's only when you meditate, meditate on the law, when you're constantly in the word of God, that you can observe to do it and all that's written in it. You have to know it before you can do it. And you have to know how it applies to your life, to every situation in which you find yourself. I mean, we can often be tempted to um, give up at the first sign of adversity, can't we? I mean, it's, it's fine when things are going well, but something comes along and, gets, and causes the problem. We get disheartened and it can feel very easy to give up. But if we know what God has said, we know that we can expect these things, and we know that God is working his purposes out in our lives. So instead of falling back on our own strength trying to work things out, we need to learn to trust God and look to him to lead us. Well, we've looked at the example of Joshua, but are there examples in the New Testament that tell us the same thing? Well, of course, the same principles can be found throughout the scripture, can't we? Can't they? We've already looked at James, we've mentioned Peter, but then we find the Apostle Paul demonstrating the same belief in God, don't we? 
when you remember him in a storm-tossed boat on the sea? What did he do? He called the sailors to action. God spoke to him and told him what to do. And then he acted on what God had told him. And he called those sailors to action. He knew they would be saved, but only if they acted on what they believed. They still needed to trust God at that point. And they needed to do something. God doesn't act independently of his appointed means. He makes promises, but he also appoints how those promises will be fulfilled. And very frequently that calls us to faith and obedience. As we said earlier, we must must trust and obey. But of course the greatest example of this in the pages of scripture must be found in Jesus. Now, you may remember from the overview of Joshua that we did, I did earlier that Joshua can be seen as a type or a picture of Christ. The name Joshua means God is salvation and it's the Hebrew equivalent of the Greek name Jesus. Now I'm sure this will come multiple times as we work through Joshua but let's look at a few ways Joshua pictures Jesus for us in chapter 1 of the book. I mean, think about the promise of the land. Joshua, as the head of the people of Israel, was promised that he would inherit the kingdom. And Christ, as our greater Joshua, has inherited a growing kingdom. As Psalm 72 reminds us, he would have dominion from sea to sea, from the river to the ends of the earth. And we are called to work for this kingdom of Christ, aren't we? Again, Joshua was told, verse 5, no one would be able to stand before him. He would overcome all his foes. And this is something we see supremely in Christ as well, isn't it? He made an end of sin, he destroyed the power of the devil, he spoiled principalities and powers, abolished death, overcame the world. Now Joshua received the command to be strong and courageous. He was to be courageous in his attempts to subdue the Canaanites and conquer the land. He wasn't to be dismayed in the strength and number of those who opposed him. And Christ too, in his human body, required both strength and courage to perform the task of redemption. He had to overcome all of his foes, didn't he? And he had to do so perfectly. And we must exemplify those same characteristics as we... We must emulate Christ as we seek to work for the glory of God and the extension of his kingdom on earth. Now, as we close, let us just remember that just just as Joshua received his courage from the knowledge of the word of God and from his assurance of the continued presence of the Lord, we draw our courage from the same sources. Let us seek to grow in our knowledge of the Lord and let us respond in obedience and demonstrate the faith we have in God through our actions. Amen.